At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. This is Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. What's up, guys? Um, old listeners, new listeners, thanks to SiriusXM and the Dan Patrick Show and our just overall charismatic selves. Um, you know, welcome to another week. I'm going to be up front with you guys. You know, usually I'm kind of half interested in doing, you know, one of these episodes, maybe 65, 70%. Today, um, I'm at a solid 0% interest in doing this, but uh, if you hadn't guessed, uh, this is Alex Rossi, and uh, I'm joined by my two pals, James James, and uh, other James. He's not his regular chipper self today, is he, James? You know, but it's funny because he started <laughs> off like sounding quite positive, like when he was... when he, he was talking about our new I, listeners yeah. and thanking the Dan Patrick channel. This and is just ser- dripping, just dripping with sarcasm. Well, see, you so, don't do sarcasm that. that well then, because for a second, when you were like saying you're normally a 70% on doing the show, which I thought was maybe being generous, I thought you were going to say that today was like a yeah, full-fledged 80, you 90, and you, you went the other way completely. You're at a zero. I'm at a strong zero, boys. Okay, all right. So let's let's. <laughs> I I love I love that for you. A bad day or a bad week, for that matter, is still starting on the th- third row of the Indianapolis. Fire. Well, so is is this is this the source of yeah. your pain and discomfort? Yeah, I'm pretty upset. I'm pretty upset. Qualifying this 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 month of August, August, whatever you want to call it. I hate I hate that we can't <laughs> say the month of May anymore. And it's not even a month. I mean, it's like the week. It's the week it's of August. Show. It's the Just weirdest thing. Um, it's been tough, you know. And and yes, Tim, it's a, that's very nice of you to put it in perspective. Ultimately, everything's fine. You know, Andretti Autosport has built six very fast race cars, which is incredibly impressive to do in in a in a field as competitive as it is. Um, I'm just I'm just not that pleased with with my, more more so myself more than anything else I'm, I'm really happy for for marco we can talk about qualifying later I'm, I'm happy for marco i'm happy for the team happy for the andretti family i'm happy for james i'm just annoyed okay so the question then becomes is this a feeling uh and energy that you carry with you all the way to next Sunday? Or is this something that you'll spend a couple days thinking about, brewing on, whatever, and then it goes away? Or is this like fuel for you for the race? Yeah, I'm pretty upset. And I'll probably be pretty upset all the way till next Monday. Oh well I 
I can't I can't wait for you to <laughs> well, start I mean, exactly not. behind me with the red mist on the start of this race. <laughs> I, I feel like I might just move over and let you go and follow the train of destruction and the, the line of victims you leave on the side of the track. Um, all right, so we've we're into it. We're talking about it. Let's talk about Indy 500. Let's talk about qualifying. Let's talk about what it's been like um, to kind of, you know, have the biggest race in the world in in solitude. You know, I don't think that's the right adjective, but like by ourselves. Like, what do you think, James? How's your, how's your experience been? So I'm eating a sandwich right now. But- <laughs> oh. <laughs> So I'm going to talk about my experience. So (laughs) for me, for me, this has been, um, it's been, it's been really anticlimactic, I guess is the right way to describe it. Right. So you, you have all of this anticipation and you have all of this kind of, um, focus and, you know, making sure you don't leave any stone unturned in all of the, the lead up and the build up to this event. Um, for, for obvious reasons, reasons we all know. And then we get there and, you know, you get on track and, you know, you realize that you're going to, you're fortunate enough that you're going to kind of be in with a shot um, to, to have a pretty good race. And, and um, you know, if, if things fall your way, you, you know, you, you know you have a car that's good enough to potentially, you know, be up front when it counts. And you go through practice and, and you go through all of the, the motions and... You get to qualifying and you do qualifying and there's there's no cars that are being bumped and you know it's it's kind of a struggle for everyone and you kind of just you you do it and there's all this pressure for your four laps and then it's over and and then it's kind of just like it felt almost like a test day you know and, and it's it's just it's just weird for me like i I know that when we're on track it's it's the same level of of passion. Um, to try and 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 put your best foot forward and go and win the race, but you know when you step outside of the car and, and you're in the garage and you're walking, you know, back to your bus at night, it just it doesn't feel real. It um, does feel different. It's very right. strange. It feels. Yeah. I mean, we kind of talked about it feeling like a test day when we first showed up there, and you know, we we talked as well about how it always like when you go through the different days of the you know the month normally it's you know practice day is kind of quiet there's still people there right and the average practice day i don't know if they get 10,000 fans or 20,000 fans i've got no idea but like 20,000 fans in that place it still feels empty right you're like oh yeah there's there's a person or two here but the place is so big you don't really notice it too too much but then as the week gets closer to fast friday more and more people come and then fast friday there's more people and then pole day there's more people and bump day there's more people and then you get to carb day and there's more people and then you get to the race and obviously it's all the people and there's just there's it's just static you know it's it, there's there is no progression in terms of number of people it's the same number of people every single day and and it's zero and it's super super weird And, you know, a lot of our testing, a lot of the practice is done with relatively few people in the stands and, you know, some people in the garage area, fine. But the first day for me, like Fast Friday is always pretty big, but the first time for me in the month where the fans are a part of the moment is qualifying. And you're you're lined up, you know, at the end of pit lane there, and you're strapped in your car, and you're next up, and 
we don't do the we don't use the acceleration lane when we do our qualifying runs. We go as, as soon as pit wall ends, we hook a right and go straight up onto the racetrack. And you essentially drive up the banking of turn one to kind of get onto the track. And as you do that, you're sort of pointed up towards the grandstands. You're angled up. You're looking at the turn one grandstands, which are always sold out on qualifying weekend. That is one of the best places to sit in the Indianapolis Motor Speedway. And this section of the racetrack in particular is packed on qualifying day. And so you pull out and you're only doing, you know, 50, 60 miles an hour or whatever. And you've got a second to kind of look up and be like, man, this is cool. Like we're doing this for all these people. They're all here to watch what we're about to do. And it's, and you feel some of that energy, you know, and I pulled out for, for my run and qualifying on Saturday and the grandstands were still just empty. And it felt so, it felt, you're right. It felt like a, it felt like a dress rehearsal. Like, okay, so this is what we're going right. to do on qualifying once everybody's here, but this is, we're just going to run through, we're going to go through the motions and run through everything. It didn't feel quite as real. Then you get up to speed and you know, the car's trying to kill you and the wind's trying to blow you off the racetrack. And yeah, then it feels kind of more real. But from the fans' perspective, it was definitely that was the moment for me where I was like, "Man, this real, we're really doing this with nobody here. It's crazy." But then, even when you like get out of the car, right? Like, so you get out of the car in pit lane when your run's done, and you have you know kind of some of your crew guys around. Um, you have the media around. You're, you're you're kind of press officer and stuff. And but it's just it's quiet. You know, it's 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 amazing how much in a sport that's dominated by the noise of the cars, how much you miss the noise of the people being there. And even like the announcers, like they were playing the kind of the radio announcers through the the PA system, but you knew it wasn't like the real commentators that would be there, you know, actually calling stuff as it happened. And I don't know, man, it's, uh, it's, 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 it's shined a whole new or given me a whole new, uh, level of appreciation for, for again, how, how special this event is. And for me every year, you know, something kind of comes to my attention that, that, you know, changes my opinion on it, um, for, for one reason or another, but this year, I mean, it's, it's, it's just, it's, it sucks. All right. That's just the easiest way to put it. It's not, it's not as fun. Like it's still, still great to go out there and go 230 miles an hour, but it's not as cool. Yeah. I think, I think a lot of people, might not understand how much we we really we understand that we're in a sense putting on a show we're entertainment and we do do this for the fans in a lot of ways we we do it for ourselves we do it for our families but we do do it for the fans and not have them there to to kind of share it is uh is definitely it's definitely a kick but i think still being able to do the event and still being able to put on that show that people can watch at home and i know that a lot of people are having to obviously you know, alter their Indy 500 traditions that they've got with their families and how they watch and where they watch and what they're going to do. And, you know, I'm, I'm actually, I'm kind of excited after the fact to maybe try to hear from, from some of the fans, how they spent their race day and, and what it was like from them. We should, we should try to follow up with some people and we'd love to hear your stories. Um, you can tell us if you've got a cool story uh, at the email off track stories at gmail.com. Oh, so there is a purpose for them. Uh, but yeah, no, if, if send, us a, <laughs> send us a note in that email address. If, if you know, if, if you're a, a regular at the race who had to do something a little different this year and, and, and what you did and what it was like, cause I'm, uh, I'm curious to see what people do, but I still think it's going to be an event that brings people together. And I still think we're going to put on a hell of a show. And I still think, 
It's going to be an Andretti Autosport one, two, three, four, five, six, and I think of I think a lot of things. <laughs> it's a it's a shame that um, you know all six of us can't get on a stage you know at the Andretti night before party and listen to Michael say. I have a good feeling that one of these cars is going to win this race. Because um, <laughs> he says it every year. And um, I'm at that party every right. year. And I, I'm I was going to say, I, like, don't, I don't remember ever hearing speaking, that. Well, you're usually drunk by that point, Tim. Exactly. But statistically That's what I was speaking, half the, half the time he's right <laughs> in the last like 10 years. So that is, that is true. Um, so, yeah. I mean, well, uh, how, so from somebody who just watched from home, which, was also weird, you know, having to watch balls from home. It's great for us. <laughs> what, uh, I mean, what happened? What, what was the change between Saturday and Sunday? You know what, Tim? You just poked the bear, buddy. You know how I you talked about the bear. at the beginning? You know how I talked about at the beginning of the podcast how my excitement level was low? I it's got it lower. It's, no, 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 no. <laughs> I, I just want to explain why. That's, that's why. Like, so Saturday... You know, for for most of us, I mean, Colton um, and Zach kind of had had some kind of just inherent issues, um, but they weren't terrible, right? But Saturday was an Andretti kind of dominated day with Marco, Ryan, myself, and James one, two, three, four, and you know, we we didn't really change a whole lot Saturday to Sunday, and you know, three of the cars. You know, lost a lot of lost a lot of pace, and it's and and I stand by this when I say it. It's it's what IMS is, right? And it's what it does to you. You know, there's so many stories you hear of guys saying, you know, I was really happy with a car and kind of just put it to bed and, and came back the next morning, and you know, we we didn't have the same level of performance. And I think that kind of reigns true for for three of us. Um, and I don't want to speak for James, but it's just, it's, that's why when you win or you're successful at this place, it means so much because there's so many factors, some that you know, and some that are just invisible. And, and they're kind of this black magic that exists around IMS that, that makes a car go a little bit quicker one day versus the other. And, um, you, you might never find it. You might find it six months down the road. Um, but ultimately it's, uh, it really is true when it says that I think for me, I, I truly believe that the place chooses the winner, right? It, it chooses the guy that is supposed to be the winner that day, whether it's for pull, whether it's for practice, whether it's the actual race. And um, that's why it's such a hard and, and special one to to win and get right. It's funny, man. Like I, I, I even kind of get chills when you talk about like the track choosing its people. Cause I, I agree with you. It, there's just, and, and what makes a situation like Sunday for us, where the frustration really comes from is, you know, people are like, yeah, you're still starting on the, the second or third row. Like you're still fine. Like, yeah, fine. That's cool. But we are very data driven, uh, people We're analytical and how we approach our sport. That's how you get better. That's how you find speed. And so when Alex talks about, you know, maybe losing a bit of performance and you might find some reasons why, but you might not, it's the might not part that makes it intolerable. You know, if there's a solid solution or, you know, answer to, okay, we lost this much speed because of X and you can see it in the data and you know why it slowed you down, then you at least there's an, there's an explanation. 
right? But these little, the, the black magic part that, that the Speedway is, is so special for and, and so known for, that's the part that's such a challenge is, is for a group of people, the engineers, the drivers who are so data-driven, who are so you know, focused on perfecting all the different variables to not have a solid answer as to why you know, X didn't equal Y the next day, um, that's just such a tough thing to get over for people like us. And so I, I share in that frustration for sure. And yeah, I just gotta, it, it's, it's, it's a really, it's a really good thing that Marco's on pole because for a minute there, Andretti Autosport was looking real dumb. <laughs> yeah. I, uh, I, like we were one through four on day one and then it was about to be Scott Nixon on pole and not an Andretti car on the front row. I, so. I think I texted Liza after your run, Alex, and uh, I'm going to yeah. have to bleep it, but it was just, ah, oh, <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's kind of how I felt. Like, I was just, you know, it, it, it's funny. <laughs> you go out, you do your warm-up lap, and then you, like, you go into the first time lap and you're flat through all the corners and everything feels kind of normal, you know, with, with very minor differences because of the, the wind or the day. And then all you're doing next scene turn four is just staring at your dash, waiting for the speed to pop up. And it is the most depressing soul sinking feeling in the world when you're expecting to do like a, let's just say a two thirty one five, and you come across the line and it's like a mile an hour off and you didn't do anything different. And you're just like, Cool, 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 cool. <laughs> you know, James, like it's just, oh, I'm, it's I'm the aware. best feeling to do when it three more times, right? Yeah. But it's the best feeling when like you're expecting a two thirty one zero when it's like a two thirty two three, and you're like, oh my god, this is the coolest thing ever. It's just, it's so annoying. <laughs> it's it's so funny too because oh, so annoying. the the difference in in like a mile an hour, right? So we sit there and say, yeah, we lost half a mile an hour, lost a mile an hour. And in our world, that is an outrageously large amount of time slash speed to lose, right? Like you will bang your head against a wall to try to find half a mile an hour. And that's, so even if you look percentage wise, right? You're looking at a 230 to a 230.5, right? Percentage wise, it is so minuscule what you're looking at. And then when you actually look at that on a stopwatch and what that actually correlates to from a time perspective, it's even smaller than that. It gets <laughs> the amount that we are looking for is so outrageously, insanely tiny because it's just so close and so competitive. Like we've blown these absolute terms that are microscopic into these relatively huge gaps and it's just <laughs> i every once in a while i have to step back and just laugh like i think marco's marco's pole run was something like 0. 0.026 or something you know faster than scott's and what that equates to an actual distance over four laps around india it's a 10 mile run like we're talking like a dozen feet, maybe over 10 miles. Like that's what we're, that's the difference. Like it's insane. I don't even think it's that dude. I don't even think it's that, but it's, it is, um, that, that actually is the one thing that anyone said in the past 48 hours. that's made me feel a little bit better. So I started this podcast at a zero. I'm now at like a good, like 10 to 15%. So thanks. Oh, we're going to hit it. We're going to hit a 20 by the end. That's the goal. Here we go. I was actually, All right, I was so, going to bring it back down. 
um, because I wanted to <laughs> do what every race driver likes to do. Talk about another driver. Um, how cool is it that Marco's on pole? It's the fact that an Andretti is on pole. I mean, yes, it's right? the fact that Andretti's I mean, on pole. I, at least for me personally, it's also the fact that Marco's on pole. Yes, <laughs> it's. I think I think Graham summed it up perfectly on the local news on Sunday night. He's like, Marco's been a guy that's been kicked down when he's down a lot lately, and and a lot of it for the wrong reasons. And this was a huge boost for him. So, um, from that standpoint, it's 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 pretty spectacular. It's, it's very 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 cool. Yeah, I mean, he he's had he's had a rough run there at the speedway and for, for IndyCar in general. It is absolutely yeah for sure. I mean, it's it's great for the sport to have an Andretti on pole. I mean, he was. He told me he was two months old when Mario sat on pole in 87, which was the last time an Andretti sat on pole at the Speedway. And, you know, that family's history there and, you know, the the legacy of that name there, it's always something that, you know, weighs so much on Marco's mind every May when we go back. And that's that's a pressure and that's a feeling that I know I can't relate to. And Alex, same thing. Like, we don't come in there with, decades and decades and decades of of expectation and you know everything that goes into being an andretti and so i i know how special that place is to him and uh and especially after you me and and, and ryan had done our runs like i i wouldn't hold my breath that, that he was gonna pull it off but no you know nothing against him i just didn't think you know we had we had pulled it off as a team and so you know huge relief for the whole organization they they deserve that they work so hard on it obviously just over the moon for Marco. It's uh, it's a special feeling and uh, it's going to be cool. It's going to be cool having an Andretti lead the field uh, to start this race in a couple days, but qualifying well, is over and done with. And yeah, normally that leads into a fairly busy week for the drivers. So traditionally we'd still be on track Monday doing race running and, and a full practice day in race trim. Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday are media tours in different parts of the country. It's different press stuff, sponsor commitments, a lot of the, you know, pageantry and traditional events that go into the Indy 500 and just things that aren't you're a part of until you get to Carb Day and you're back on track. Alex, um, since you finished your your practice run on Sunday, what uh, what kind of commitments have you had? Well, I had to go to dinner with you last night. <laughs> Sorry um, to hear that, man. That's why you're in such a bad mood. No. Um, <laughs> to be I'm fair, in a bad mood forever. because it took three and a half hours and cost $500. But, you know, we're not going to name the name of the restaurant um, at the Ironworks Hotel um, <laughs> on the third floor. Uh, <laughs> I mean, my vote was Root and Bone uh, in South Broadway, but I got outvoted. Um. But no, I mean, honestly, James, it's 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 weird. I mean, again, I, I, I should come up with a different word than weird. But like I have my calendar is empty. Like I'm literally going to go back to the track this afternoon to um, deliver some beer to my guys. And that's the only thing on my calendar until I was carb day. I was thinking about that this morning. We record this on a Tuesday for everybody listening. Like the Tuesday before the 500. Alex, we hang out. That's like. Our tradition is we we hang out Tuesday night before the 500. And I was thinking about that when I woke up like, oh, that hurts. Like, I, I've come to terms with the fact that I won't be at the race. I've come to terms with the fact I miss calls. But this was the first one that hit me like, oh, man, I really wish I was doing that. 
Yeah, it's uh, yeah. So I mean, it's it's usually the most chaotic week of the of the season, I think. Um, unless you win, I mean, this this is it. So the fact that we literally had nothing, and that James and I were just at the gym this morning, chilling, talking as if it was just a normal day in the off season, um, is very uh, unique. It's bizarre. So like. Does that does it, change your headspace? Does it make it hard? No. I think that's exactly what I was going to say. Does it make it harder to like get geared up for the 500? I don't think so. I mean, no. Maybe it will. I'll, I'll answer that question in four days. But yeah. I don't think so. I mean, let's talk about, I mean, not only that, but let's talk about the fact that, James, you didn't even stay in the bus during practice week. Like, And, and that so was true. a big debate that, that you and I kind of went back and forth on. Like, what are we going to do? Did you notice a difference? I mean, you probably could have been on pole if you had stayed in the bus. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Well, I'll argue that one. Um, I will say that, uh, well, yeah. I mean, man, how bad would you have been if if you had gone home then? Jeez. Fair. Well, no, I couldn't have been any worse than ninth. (laughs) Actually, no, it's reverse. If he wouldn't have stayed at the bus, he would have. uh... Well, so... Honestly, no, that that was like, yeah, like you say, that was a big debate that we had. And I'm actually really glad that I came home because I, I got into a bit of a routine. It wasn't my normal at-home routine, which is good. It's appropriate. But, um, you know, it was it, – and I, I preferred coming back because I could be in my own bed. I had Becky. I had the dogs. And I was just kind of – I was in a comfortable spot. I slept really well. Um so it actually worked out very well. Like I've all, I'm always nervous about not staying at the track, and this proved to me that it's actually totally doable and totally fine when there's no traffic getting into the track. That's always the like worst part about not staying there is getting there in the morning because all of the lanes on the road are blocked and you can't turn left anywhere and you need to know secret back ways to get in and you need to leave three hours early. It's just it's a nightmare, right? But without any of that to contest with, yeah, I mean, I'm super happy I stayed at home. I think for sure. It so, was are you gonna stay at Are you gonna stay at home Saturday night? Yeah, I think so, man. I think I'm gonna stay at home. You're not I gonna. I don't know you're why. You're not gonna I stay in the bus the night before the race. No, because I've now not. I so I stayed there one night and I didn't get a great sleep, and so now I'm like worried that I'm not gonna sleep well if I stay on the bus. So I'm. I think I'm just committing to staying at home. Are they still going to do the, the cannon race? at six in the morning? I assume not. Cause no, because there's no day thing, there's right? no gates that are opening. Oh, I thought also that was that. signifying the gates open. Well, that's that's that is what announces that the gates are opening. But I think it's kind of tied into the whole Memorial Day thing. Because like I was wondering, with all the pre-race festivities, like are we still going to do taps? Like taps is a big part of the race, but it's also kind of you know tied to. The Memorial Day thing, I thought. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I feel like they're, they're still going to do taps, I feel like. They're I feel like they'll the do everything balloons, they can right? to keep it. Yeah, I believe that is true. I believe that is true. But then, like, the race Sounds like none of us later. really know. I'm going to be honest. I mean, you guys would be the ones yeah. I would ask. So this feels like it's on you. I'm not essential, so I don't need to know. Uh, (laughs) if I had a question about the 500 it would be directed at you two the problem is is things just change so regularly now Uh, even if we had an answer today it might not be the answer in three days you just don't know yeah fair enough well I I will say something put everything kind of harshly in perspective for me 
on Saturday and Sunday, you guys qualified for the biggest race in the world. On Sunday, I did a slip and slide with my daughter, and I am still sore. <laughs> I, I feel like... I feel like you would get sore building the slip and slide. Well, remains to be seen. I didn't even put it together. My neighbor put it together. Uh, we And uh, yeah, I, uh, my daughter couldn't quite get a hang of it. So I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do this slip and slide. And then I woke up the next day like, oh, yeah, I'm 30 now. Everything hurts. And I did it like one Very time. I think there's, there's a bigger happen. problem to discuss here that we probably shouldn't in a podcast. But uh, yeah, I'm in, I'm in some pain. So I so you're sore, but I assume you eventually let your daughter Hazel go on the slip and slide. How did she enjoy that? I mean, she had a blast. She she had a great weekend. We watched we watched Qualls together, which you know she didn't necessarily love. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was funny. She, I I pointed out when you were qualifying. I go, Hazel, there's there's Mr. Hinch. She goes, you mean Uncle Cupcake? Oh my God, that's awesome she that she calls me Uncle Cupcake. <laughs> um, that is how I, I, know I have a by quick the children of IndyCar. I have a quick story that has nothing to do with racing, but yesterday morning she decided, and I, I told this on my Twitter, she decided she wanted to wake up early and make me breakfast in bed, which was a really sweet gesture, but she set an alarm in her room. She's got like one of the kids Echo Dot things, so she set an alarm in her room. My apartment's pretty small, though, so when an alarm goes off, I'm up anyways, and she doesn't really sneak, so, so I hear her going downstairs, and Hazel, what are you doing? She's, I'm going to make you a surprise. And I kind of figured out what was going on. So I was like, don't do anything with the toe. Nothing hot, okay? So then I'm, I'm like watching the camera because I'm worried she's going to climb up on the cabinets and get bowls and everything. But she ends up getting like two Tupperware containers from the bottom of the pantry and pours cereal and milk in there. Spills it everywhere, right? Like there's more milk on my kitchen floor than in the bowls. <laughs> and she brings it up to bed. And uh, I had a projector set up in my bedroom from when we were watching Qualls. So she climbs into bed with these two Tupperware containers. I had just done laundry the day before. She spills milk on all four of the pillows, both the sheets and the blanket. And uh, and then we proceed to have our cereal in bed, and we watched uh, old episodes of Bewitched on the projector. And uh, it was it was really sweet. It was like an amazing gesture for her to make breakfast in bed. But it was also just like, a couple hours of work then to clean everything. Oh, thanks for making my day harder for me. <laughs> it was great. It was but it was, it was still the best bowl of cereal, the best Tupperware of cereal you've ever had because it was made with <laughs> Oh, top. yeah. Top five breakfasts I've ever had. Um, <laughs> That's fair. I'm so glad Alex, you did. I, I'm I glad you should. I didn't um, qualify for a 500, so I had to tell my story. <laughs> no, it's, no, I like that story. I like... I like when we include Hazel in our podcast. She's a big part of it. Um, Alex, I uh, I heard that you got a bill in the mail the other day that you weren't particularly happy with. Guys, let me talk. Let me talk about something. I have. I'm confused. So, a couple months ago, I had to drain some of my pool water because um, it just needed. Like, I just had. There were some chemicals off, and I just had to like there's not a chemical to reduce this chemical. So you, you just kind of have to put fresh water in. So I drained like a quarter of a pool. It's not a, it's not a big pool. It's like a 15,000 gallon pool. Um, so I, I drained. Were you smoking you know, a brisket uh, while draining? Now that I'm thinking all the hobbies. Now, <laughs> no, now that I'm thinking about it, 
a quarter of 15,000 gallons is a couple thousand gallons. Yeah. yeah. Um, but neither here, <laughs> neither here nor there. Um, I was like, oh, this is cool. Like there's a hose right next to it. Anyways, I filled it with the hose. I got a water bill in the mail today. Um, any guesses as to how much that was? Like, I'm I mean, I would guess a lot, but surprised. a pool is big. And <laughs> it is. All right, so let's, let's figure this out. It was $438 in That's water. That's way less than I thought James, you were going to say. Yeah, I was going to say, James, that doesn't seem like that much, right? So you, you did a quarter of a 15,000-gallon pool. So, so 3,750 yeah. gallons. Tim, you did that on a calculator. Yeah, I can see you looking down at your desk. Don't act like you did that math in your head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, dude, like think of, that's very reasonable. Think about if you had to do, like you had to fill that pool up with bottles of water. It would have cost you like 17 grand or something. Here's the other thing. That's eight and a half gallons for $1. So I guess that's Here, Here's fair. the other thing though, James. I 100% could imagine Alex filling his pool with bottled water. Like if we walked over there and instead of a hose, he just had like a crate of Evian. I'd be like, yeah, that checks out. That's about right. That's that's about right. It wouldn't have been Evian because it's not pH oh, yeah, balanced. Sorry. So it would have been Essentia. So that's the Andretti sponsored water. And then and then uh, and then the hot tub um, would have been filled with Perrier to get the bubble effect. So so okay. So you guys don't think that's unrealistic? No, I think that's pretty fair, man. Because that's a that's a butt ton of water, and it's like. I did. I did have to leave the hose running from 11 p.m. to 7 a.m. Let's let's put it this way: it costs less than our painfully long dinner last night. <laughs> that is true. So if my if that my if true. I had to go back it, and choose between a full swimming pool or re-eating that meal, I would take the pool 11 times out of 10. That is that is true. Do you want to know what it was more expensive than? Sure. How much money Marco Andretti made per second of his Indianapolis <laughs> 500 qualifying run? So we're sitting at dinner last night, and we're like, "Oh man, I'm so happy for Marco. That's awesome." He just he's like, "Man, he just won a hundred grand. Like that's the that's the prize money check for winning pole." And you know, he's got his pictures there holding his novelty size hundred thousand dollar check, and we're like. Okay, but so you split, you know, in most guys' contracts, you split prize money with the team, right? And so let's say the split's 50-50. It's normal kind of deal. And so we're like, man, it's 50 grand you made. Like, we were splitting it up by laps. We were splitting it up by corners. By corner. Yeah, and then so we eventually <laughs> got down to, like, we took the length of the run, the full run, all four laps, and divided fifty thousand by the length of the run, and yeah, he made three hundred and twenty-eight dollars a second while he was out qualifying. It's a good job. It's a good job if you can get it. <laughs> Pretty strong. Yeah, it's a neat. Yeah. That's a neat way to. Do you want to know? Do you want know? It's fun though. James and I were on track for the same amount of seconds and made zero dollars. <laughs> zero dollars. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the other thirty-two got zero dollars. <laughs> no, second and third get something. But four through ninth get nothing. No, we get a couple points. That's nice. We do get points, which is neat. I mean, I wish I could like defer mine to other people so that way I could help you guys out because I don't really need them. You don't who's need the, who's points. Who's the highest? Or just or highest trade your points in for cash. Oh yeah, that'd be actually way better. Oh, yeah. way better. Who's the, Who's the highest Andretti Autosport driver in points right now? If you could trade your points in for cash, though. so so weird that it's me. <laughs> I don't understand it how it's possible. It's so weird. Oh wow! 
Yeah, that's, no, that's not great. No, sorry. Sorry. I don't, sorry. No, Colton is. I don't, I still don't group him as a teammate, even though he is now. Oh, sorry. Right, so right, Colton right. is yeah, the yeah, highest. Um, it's not a memory yeah. thing. Alex just hates Colton Herta. No, no, I love Colton. He's <laughs> awesome. Colton's great. I just Colton's want to start awesome. some drama. I mean, the, the Indicar paddock, it's become a bit too much of a love fest. So I just want to start some drama. Bit too vanilla. Okay. Except for Santino. Yeah, he's, he's <laughs> the worst. <laughs> so I have something uh I have something kind of funny that we can end, end the show on. On the last episode, uh Alex, you we we talked about Max Chilton's helmet. And you yeah. talked about what an honor it was that he was on there and, and you hadn't sure. spoken with him, but you thought, oh, it had something to do with the fact you were teammates. Max yeah, we were. went on Marshall Pruitt's podcast and he and he talked a bit about it i i i emailed marshall and we got permission to use this so i just want to i want to play his answer mr chilton i'm telling you you kind of sort of blew up indycar twitter with images of a helmet livery that obviously you wanted to wear into victory lane last year it's one you're hoping to wear into victory lane this year Tell us about it, because this is high ambition, my man, in the execution. Uh, it is just exquisite. Well, thank you. Um, I wish I could say it was all my own work, but I had nothing to do with it. Um, it was all my uh, long-term helmet painter uh, in the UK, Jason Fowler's creation. Um, I think he quite enjoys working with me, because on the 500, I basically just give him free reins, and every year he comes up with something which I love. Um and he's he's a true artist, so, and I think when you let an artist Max um, Chilton is dead to me. <laughs> helmet sucks. Um, his golf swing is terrible. We have um, nothing to do with Alex is getting all emotional. Spell. Oh, it's such an honor to be on his helmet. We were. Te- I'm sure he picks. He shut up, James. Because we were teammates, it's such an honor, Max. Yeah, no, I had literally nothing to do with me. What you should be doing <laughs> is you should be writing Jason Leffler and saying, hey, thanks. It's a huge honor to be on Max's helmet. Thanks well, for including now me. That we, I'm, now that I'm we know pretty this, embarrassed. Hear me out. Now that we know this, that Max has nothing to do with his Indy 500 helmet and he lets Jason Leffler do it, I feel like we can get in contact with Jason before next year and we can commission whatever we want on Max's helmet without him knowing. I mean, I don't hate that idea. That's a pretty, that's a pretty <laughs> funny concept. It's just, it's just the three of our faces. There we go. I'm pretty, it's I'm pretty upset. <laughs> I'm pretty upset, guys. A, a buddy of You're mine, uh, Nick Vance, pointed that out, and I, I was, I'm so happy Marshall's letting us use that audio. You know what? You know how I said I was at a 15 or 20 percent. I was just to like, gonna say. I'm back to, I'm back to five. Say, Tim got his way. He's back. He's back to single digits. Tim, you bastard. It's God, the least I can this, do. This is just making my week. All right. Well, before we give Thim any more opportunity to bring Alex any further down than he already is, why don't we call this a show? Thank you all for listening. The next time you hear us, the Indy 500 will be done, dusted, and over with, and there will be a brand-new champion, the 2020 Indy 500 champion, one of 33 drivers, Make sure you tune in on Sunday, the 23rd, 1 p.m. on NBC to watch. It's going to be something. No, but guys, like, seriously, tune in. Like, watch this.
and tell all your friends and post about it on the internet. Like people, people need to be watching this year. It's a very important yeah, year and it's, for everything that IndyCar has done, Roger Penske's done, the Speedway's done to make this happen this year. Tell your friends, make them watch it. Amen. I got it's it's day. it's the twenty third of August. It's not like you guys have something on. It's not a long weekend. You didn't have existing plans to go to I don't know Outer Banks. It's not or a something. holiday. You're home. Right. It's not a holiday. It's just a Sunday at one p.m. The broadcast starts. Green flags around two thirty something. Just tune in and watch it because it's a hell of a show. And because we told you to, we asked you to. We're asking you to. We're asking you nicely. Please do it. But I think you won't be disappointed. And we know you've got nothing else going on. There's a pandemic, so don't lie. Thanks so much for listening to Off Track with Hinch and Rossi. Keep in contact with us on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at AskOffTrack. Or you can follow us individually. We're at Hinchtown and at Alexander Rossi. If you want to follow Thim, though we have no idea why you would, he's at the Tim Durham. We really need to get that changed to add producer Thim. The music you heard today is by Ryan Dan of Holland Patton Public Library. We'd also like to thank Marshall Pruitt for letting us use the audio from his interview with Max Chilton. If you'd like to hear the rest of that interview in its entirety and listen to the rest of Marshall's many, many episodes, subscribe to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast. Off Track with Hinch and Rossi is produced by Tim Durham. And by that, I mean thin. <laughs> Max Chilton is dead to me. <laughs> At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every basket, every game, every point, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a three-pointer at the buzzer to tie the game or a player that goes two for two at the foul line. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only. Must be present in Virginia. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply.